Hey guys, just off top, I just want to give you all a huge, huge thank you for all the amazing reviews that I've got on my book, whether it's published to a book site or sent to me in person. I really, really appreciate it because I was so nervous when I published this book that it would be not well received. I guess I posted it, I posted, I wrote a lot of personal information in the book and it was really vulnerable and challenging for me to put this all out there and I am just so so thankful that it has helped even like one person that's so incredible so if you do read the book and you do like it please let me know and it just makes me feel like I'm getting a big warm hug from the inside so <laughs> before we get into the episode I just had to say thank you to everyone who have given me your kind wonderful words about it and a reminder to everyone else who hasn't got the book, you can get it wherever you get your books and read along with us. But without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of How to Conserve Conservationists. I'm Jesse. I'm here with Todd and today we're going to be talking about chapter number 7, How Many Fish Are Really in the Sea, which as you might be able to imagine from my creative title, it's about relationships. <laughs> I thought it was about the uh, overfishing of the oceans. No, not exactly. Um, I love how <laughs> I love how a lonely conservationist went through this book with her mum over FaceTime because her mum got the book and <laughs> they're just looking at all the chapter titles. So I like that people have. Like, I don't know if respected is the right word, but I appreciated the diversity and creativity of my chapter title. <laughs> it brings me joy. <laughs> um, you might be thinking, why the hell would you have a chapter about relationships in a book about conserving conservationists? And I think it's a part of conservation that people often don't think about as much, but I feel like it affects a lot of people. Um, Especially one guy in the beginning of Lonely Conservationist asked me... Especially this one poor guy. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> find a partner. Well, there's, there's many hints. Okay, the, one of the, the second blog ever submitted to Lonely Conservationist was about a long-distance relationship, and that was, like, the most pivotal issue in her, relation, uh, in her like, conservation journey was managing that relationship. And another guy um, messaged me right at the beginning of Lonely Conservationist to say, hey, Jesse, is it possible to have a conservation career that's successful and a successful relationship at the same time? So it means that it's playing on people's minds. And it did play on my mind when I was growing up as well. But it must be interesting for you because like, you've, our relationship has probably been the most successful relationship in your life and it is with a conservationist. <laughs> You're bucking the norm. Yeah. I think, I think we're okay. <laughs> I hope so. Just airing <laughs> our dirty laundry over a public podcast. But what's interesting is that I was very adamant that we would, shouldn't be together in our relationship because I knew I was going to leave the country for six months to do my honours degree. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be a huge issue. I don't want to be apart from someone that long. Like, no, listen. I remember pursuing you romantically and we seemed to get on fine. But you were just like, yeah, but like, nah, it's just not going to work. <laughs> my lifestyle says no. And I was like, why? Like, well, I'm just, I'm going to another country for the next six months. That's going to put a downer in the relationship. <laughs> like, you know, long distance, you know, it probably never works right. What's the point? You know how I communicated that to Todd? <laughs> oh, yeah. Very formally. <laughs> do you want to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> do I? 
what, I'm not sure what prompt. It was very. It was completely unprompted. You wrote me a letter, and there was a letter of like twenty reasons why we shouldn't be together. And I sent it to him in the mail. Like I addressed yeah. it. I didn't just hand him the letter. Like with dolphin stationery. <laughs> That's the stationery I had at the time. <laughs> and so I receive it, and I, I don't know. I, don't, I thought it was the sweetest thing in the world, because at the end of it, it also had a drawing of a giraffe in a bikini. <laughs> As so, you like, did. I thought it was a bit playful. Like, to soften the blue. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be with you for these 20 reasons, but here's a consolation giraffe in a bikini. I think that's worse than being dumped by text message, handwritten letter. It feels, I don't know. <laughs> you don't take it seriously. I didn't. I was like, no, I'll be fine. Let's just, let's give it a go. And you're like, okay. He just messages me after he receives the letter, like, got your letter. It was the cutest thing I've, that anyone's ever done for me. Yeah. And I was like, mm, that backfired. And then <laughs> <laughs> we said this, like, multiple times. He proceeded to quit his job, buy a passport, and just come with me. So when it comes to love, I think if it's real... Nothing can stand in the way, not even a letter of all the reasons why you shouldn't be together. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's sort of a bit of an example of, like, you... Both of us have to, like, change a bit of our careers in order to be together. Because mm, what am I doing now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I quit my job to spend more time with you. And vice versa, you've, you know, given up opportunities... To spend more time packed with me. Packed up my life in Adelaide. Just yeah. packed it up. Well, and came over here. Yeah, to, not too bad. I know. I have a better life in Melbourne, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. It, what's been the but coolest... Like, that's sort of a relationship, in, in, like, even for the normal people. Yeah, it's a compromise. It's pretty, like, big, life-changing compromises. Yeah. I think the thing is that I got really sick of long distance. So if you read the book, you will see that... I went away to Indonesia. I was apart from Todd for four months. Can then... explain our whole practicalities of our relationship? I guess. I think it is good to make se- good to make sense. It's good to go through to people to understand. But like we were apart for out of the six months, we spent the last four months together, or I was there for four months and we spent the last two months together. Yeah, I rocked up halfway through your yeah. Masters. So we did a couple of months there long distance and then afterwards I found another job in New South Wales which I talked about previously where I thought I was going to be apart from Todd for a year and the plan at the time was that Todd would look for a job in Canberra and we'll kind of meet halfway yeah, <laughs> on the weekend. Yeah, we'll be in like neighbouring cities at least. That didn't end up happening because obviously I hightailed it out of that job and luckily Todd doesn't live in Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> No offense to all the people that live in Canberra, but I just think I couldn't live with her. It's, I think I have a better job in Canberra, to be fair. Maybe we should uproot our lives. <laughs> For those who are outside of Australia, Canberra's sole purpose is to exist as like a government hub. Like it's this, it's the Australian capital territory and it just like, it's very yeah. government-y. It's the government capital, but not in any way, shape or form, like the nexus of the country. Yeah, it's a weird place. Anyway, so after that time, I was like, I don't, I was finding it really hard in uh, New South Wales to be apart from Todd at that, at that stage. I think like in the beginning, it was easier to do long distance, but as we grew in our relationship, it got really hard. And then I was like, okay, never again. I'm going to stay. I'm going to try find opportunities in Australia, like where Todd is. When we moved, I moved to Melbourne with Todd. I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to have like a more stable life. Next minute, his job is to go fly around the country. 
yeah. doing all these jobs. So then my Melbourne job requires lots of travel. So then like he became the long distance one. <laughs> yeah. I was panicking because they were about to send him to Adelaide for like a year or like six months just before COVID hit. And if it wasn't for COVID, he would be there right now. And I was like so stressed that I would be going through like a quarantine stage by myself. So I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah, that would have been rough. Um, but like, as I said, in the, in the blog, the second blog ever was about long distance relationships and they've cropped up again and again. And just the feeling of having to either sacrifice your work and to find like a quote unquote normal job working at the local target or like be a barista or something. So you don't have to travel to find opportunities to like save your relationship or do you make your relationship like suffer or put a strain on it by pursuing your dreams and traveling to get the opportunities you want. So I think it's a real thing that people think about all the time. Well, it's almost a bit representative of like the rest of your life. So if you, you know, spend most of your time traveling, it depends what conservation you're doing, but a lot of it kind of feel like you're just traveling all the time and you don't feel like you're you're at a home all the time it's hard to find opportunities they're so few and far between so you have to just take them wherever they are yeah Yeah, well like yeah like you did yeah and then that makes it hard to have like a permanent home with a partner or even with like a normal life and friends and family yeah what i say what is good about traveling though like when todd does his short weekly stints I think it improves the relationship in the way it makes you like want the other one to come back like yeah. you're not just together all the time so it's still like new fresh and exciting well now we had like <laughs> coronavirus lockdown for months we're a bit sick of each other being in the house are you sick time. of me I think we got in each other's nerves after like after years of being together now that we're stuck together so maybe like sometimes traveling is the key to a healthy relationship yeah but it's just hard when it's like a long stint like i'm going to do this job for years or like i'm going away for six months like a few weeks is fine and that like yeah. is enough time to miss each other but i think it's really challenging to be away for so there's long. a spider on the desk i'm not okay with this oh it's a little cutie it's a jumping spider is i thought it? you liked them where'd he go oh there he is okay yeah he's cute yeah he's really cute he can stay <laughs> i'm glad we sorted that out <laughs> I guess the other part of relationships that I've noticed in conservation, I don't know if Todd will have much of an insight on this. Maybe. It's kind of like school camps where you go away. Just say you're on like a volunteer camp or like a sat camp or something where you're like volunteering in a remote location and there's a lot of volunteers and people from around the world. It gets a bit like promiscuous, like it's a bit band camp situation because you have <laughs> all these people from all over the world who suddenly feel like they're in a unique situation where they're so detached from the outside world, like nothing they do can have consequences. Mm. Starts to feel like Love Island. Love Island. <laughs> Love Island. <laughs> I feel like conservationists either are like doing committed long term and really struggling with that or they're just like being very promiscuous but that also comes with a cost a lot of costs actually (laughs) well yeah it's the same problem but the opposite if you both go to like some tropical island to research turtles or something and you spend six months looking at them and like you know you might develop a relationship with someone there and then the research is over like all right now we go home you know you go back to australia they go back to france i assume <laughs> we only love french people <laughs> <laughs> who else are you gonna fall in love with but just fall in 
And then it's like, well, how do we have a relationship if one of us lives in Australia and one lives in another country? Yeah, there's that. Are we ever going to see each other again? The visas and, like, who gets to keep their family and friends and life and set up (laughs) and who has to learn a new language and settle into a new culture. Yeah. And then there's, like, there's that, like, committed relationship. Oh, my God. Todd is still looking for the spider. He's over here. It's fine. Is, for anyone listening, it's like a little cute brown jumping spider scuttering around. Scuttling? What do spiders do? do? Crawling. No, it's not crawling. That Who makes it sound crawling? like he's a baby. <laughs> yeah, he's a baby. <laughs> like racing around the desk. <laughs> Ever since that episode where I talked about the spider scientist, there's been no spider scientist coming to me to say... To defend their... Yeah. <laughs> industry yeah or to be like jesse i'm here if you ever need to ask me a a spider question at any time i still if someone tells me i like spiders i distrust them immediately well how come we're in a relationship and you know i like spiders you like cute ones like this one i like all spiders (laughs) it's my dream to hold like a what are they called a tarantula because they're like little teddy bears with eight legs they're not like teddy bears anyway we are getting very sidetracked by this spider um what i was saying is like there's that kind of like when you meet people on a on an island and then there's the when you're just like sleeping around playing the field on the island where like the relationship ends because you know you're gonna go home so you like get with whoever's coming because there's like influxes of volunteers people coming in and out all the time especially if you're long-term staff or something yeah and then you know it's going to end because either they're going to go or you're going to go i guess people assume it's going to be like that they're just like when in rome let's play never have i ever but then i know two occasions where people who have met each other on these camps have got married so it is definitely possible to meet people I might have just been projecting. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine like sleeping with someone for six months and not catching feelings. Yeah, that's because you are a little mush mush. Mush. <laughs> I am romantic. Yes. <laughs> this is what you're projecting to everyone. Like, yeah. yes, I am Todd, the most romantic. Yeah, but it, yeah, it, it's a different thing, though, right? Yeah. So even if you are, you know, getting with people, how do you know? Like, that's all fine. You still might be like, man, I wish I had, you know, a bit of a long-term relationship, though, but you'll be fearful that won't happen. Everybody's priorities are different, and I think there's a big risk is, like, if you are one of those people that take your short-term relationship where you're working and living on the same island in the same camp, if you take it to the real world, you as a couple haven't experienced the real... real, Why can't I say real? real Real-world pressures of, like... Um, paying the bills, living in a house together, like just life, friend groups, blah, blah. Like it's such a controlled situation when you're in a camp. It might feel like a different relationship than you try to take it back to the real world. So like what if you go to the real world, you get like, you take the time to get visas and that's really challenging to get visas. You like leave your family, you go to a new country, you try to set up a new life, realize the relationship was only good in this controlled situation and you'll feel kind of stuck in this new life. So you've listed a whole bunch of problems that conservationists face in this area. Solutions. Solutions. What? I don't know. I'm what not. Have you learned? I can't give advice because I'm like Todd. We can't be together. Here's a list of twenty reasons why, with a giraffe in a bikini picture to soften the blow. Then that just made it work for me, and that's not like. Your advice is to find someone who's a little bit slow on the uptake. <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't notice that you're saying, nah, this isn't going to work. But what was actually also good is 
I didn't know how this was going to go. I was kind of freaking out when Todd came to Indonesia because like field work, you talk about poop all the time. You, <laughs> you are pooping all the time. You're your sweatiest, yeah. dirtiest, leech covetous. Like you're the, like not the worst version of yourself, but you're the most primal version of yourself. Yeah. If you're in that honeymoon stage, they're going to see all, everything. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> so I think that was like a very You told good... me you walked past me in the toilet once and you've never seen me the same again. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Your attitude towards me is never <laughs> This was so early on in our relationship. I, there's so many times where I was like, This I I, I would expect to see this like fifty years down the track. <laughs> not months, not mere months. But it's like that is a good way of cementing your relationship. Like if you can survive like tough situations and if you're still attracted to them, even seeing them on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> like if you have like Todd, I heard like a smash in the middle of the night, like two in the morning. And I get up to find Todd lying on the floor. Like he had passed out from this tropical illness. I was very sick. He was very, very sick. And I didn't know what to do because I know like in Australia you call triple zero, but like what the hell do you call in Indonesia? Which horrifies me because there is a number to call. <laughs> like an international you, you number. You can call in We're in a city. We're not like in the middle of the rainforest. But in my brain, I was because I was two in the morning. I was like, I, I was imagining in my brain. Yeah. I'd walk into the bathroom and there'd be your cracked skull and blood everywhere because I heard something hit the ceramic of the toilet. I, I fainted in the bathroom. So yeah, my head banged into the tiles and I was very surprised. I couldn't... And I work... Luckily, I woke up. Yeah. I asked you, if, like, is my brain everywhere? You're like, nah, you're fine. I'm like, oh, okay then. And then I tried to get up and I felt terrible and I couldn't tell if it was like, yeah, this tropical illness making me feel terrible or like having a concussion yeah it's like if you've gone through all of this where like their, their <laughs> life might be in your hands <laughs> you've seen them like vomiting and pooping and like out in the field complaining there's no chairs to sit on like if you can survive that with someone that is a good test to see what the rest of your lives together is like so yeah, almost we came out of that very confident. That very strong. We can get on with each other. <laughs> I almost recommend it. Like, <laughs> this is what I write in the book is that that's a good thing about conservationist relationships. Like, just say we met in Indonesia and we instantly saw each other. Like, I never wore makeup, I was in grotty field clothes. Like, you're seeing <laughs> me for who is like the most disgusting version of me. And if you can love me at that, yeah, but it's you also can love you, anyway. like, being you most yourself you know that's true out in the middle of the forest sweating profusely <laughs> with my chin sweat with, with chin sweat i hate chin sweat chin sweat is the worst kind of sweat but like you're there if you clipboard you're taking you know notes trying to find these elephants like that's you in your prime that's well. actually so cute because i never thought of that before i'm like oh todd has to see me at this disgusting way but then you're like, this is Jessie. This is like Jessie and her element. Yeah, exactly. That's attractive to me. Which is so surreal. Like, I think this is how... I, well, yeah, I've, just, I've never seen you so, like, confidently in control of a situation where I'm there next to you and I'm completely un, not in yeah, control flaming. freaking out. You I'm can't like, understand what anyone is yeah, saying. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what everyone's saying. I'm, like, panicked that, you know, I'm going to get eaten by some kind of jungle creature. <laughs> and you're just there in most confident... Like, that's pretty cool. Aww. 
But I guess, like, if you're in that situation with someone, like, for instance, when I was there with um, my field staff a month earlier, I spent every waking hour with them. We woke up before the sunrise. We uh, walked to the orangutan nest. At the orangutan nest, we'll eat breakfast while we wait for the orangutan to wake up, and they'll eat their breakfast. Then we follow the orangutan all day till it builds its night nest, goes to sleep, and we go back home. We eat dinner together, we hang out, and then we go to sleep. Like, sounds a bit stalkerish. It, it did feel like that. It did feel it a bit did, stalkerish. Because orangutans are like... The size of people, and they like very, so human. They're on their own a lot. They don't just hang out in groups normally. I really feel, felt like I was stalking it. It felt wrong to just watch <laughs> this mother look after her children. What I, were you hoping to gleam? Oh, we we're just doing behavioral studies. So like we just sat there and recorded what she did all day. <laughs> it is stalkish. Stalkish. <laughs> <Yeah>. Binoculars and <laughs> But then we lost them, and then we spent like the rest of the months just trying to find them again. <laughs> Because she didn't like us following them, yeah. so she got up early, mm. moved location, and went because she knew that we followed her every day, so she could like trick That's us. That's the most interesting behavior <laughs> displayed so far. So then we spend the rest of the month trying to find her again, but it was really hard because even though they're bright orange, they're actually very <laughs> challenging to find. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess what I mean is like if you're with someone for that long, and like just say you're two people that spend every waking hour for a month together it's kind of hard not to form any kind of relationship like in the beginning i didn't understand a lick of these guys language i didn't know my role as a woman in a muslim country especially in a, a like a pondok which is the cabin with only men yeah it was a weird situation i had to form some kind of relationship with them whether it be friend or like just like colleague i don't know you like i was straight the most strange person i could have ever been but by the end of it we we're buddies i was like part yeah. of the little family so i think like it's hard in those respects not to form relationships yeah i can believe that <laughs> so dubious but like i don't know i think everyone's different like some people like like having an, an option for different partners like they don't want to settle down and they're Career is more important than relationships, which is what I thought I was, but I was sorely mistaken. And then there's people like Todd that's like, well, if if I'm going to be with you for six months, I'm going to really like you and you can't get away from me. Like, I'm in this for the long haul. So, yeah. I, like, every... I can't stereotype relationships at all because everybody has such different perspectives of what they need in their life what gives them fulfillment, what makes them happy, what they want, if they want a family, if they have, like, the pressure of their families on them like there's just so many factors that come into play there's plenty of people who have like you know fairly uh i don't want to say like normal but like uh static life jobs yeah like they haven't got you know a new travel trip to study a different animal every six months but like even then they were like, oh, I'm just really passionate about my career, you know, I haven't got time for a relationship. Like a lawyer or someone that's really busy all the time? Sometimes it's not even a lawyer. It's like a fairly <laughs> normal job that could totally... You could incorporate a relationship, they just I, don't I'm wanna. just picturing this, like, stereotypical lawyer that's yeah, like, okay, okay, I've got... I go to prep for these cases, I'm doing this pro bono work. Like, in my brain, my mind jumps to lawyer, like... Yeah, <laughs> just being the busiest person but I guess doctor or something as well If sometimes it might be hard if you're on and off or like a paramedic you could have long day shifts, long night shifts sometimes you're a bit nocturnal because of the shifts you're doing it would be hard to find somebody that 
aligns with your shifts like even our friend works for channel nine and he was doing a lot of night shifts and that posed challenges in his relationship Mm. just finding someone that's okay with shift work so i think if you have a static relationship uh, a static relationship if you have a static work schedule that's predictable there still could be like the amount of work and the times you work that still impact your ability to have relationships like it's not just conservationists that impact it is what you're getting at i guess yeah but like i was trying to get at like you could not have any of those problems and just not find relationships important okay my friend but i think conservationists are super passionate about what they do right do you want to know some tea plenty of them are like I'm just super passionate about this. Like, you know, I haven't got time. I don't need no man. I have giraffes and giraffes are my life. Man or lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> giraffes are my love interest. I don't need no person. I have giraffes. They're better than all humans. Understandable opinion to have. Okay. I've got some hot tea to spill. Okay. My friend works for a company. A, pop, a popular oh, like... Really spilling the tea. A popular... I don't know how much is like... Good to say. Like, okay, he works for a, a media company where you have accounts. Um, like, what? Like, he works for a company where they call up <laughs> and they're like, I've got these subscriptions. Can you help me? I think they're taking money out of my account. I don't know if I'm using this or this. Like, people, you know how you pay for, oh, like, you're like, I'll test this app. And then there's actually like a payment that starts after the 30 day free trial. And you're like, shit. I didn't want to pay, but I forgot to cancel it before the free trial. So they ring up, they're like, please cancel this subscription. Right. Okay, he works for one of these places. He's the guy that picks up the phone. He's the guy that picks up the phone. A guy Mm. was like, I'm having trouble with this app. He he, he did exactly that. He was paying. Oh, no. He did a free trial and he didn't want to pay, but he forgot to, like, unsubscribe or cancel the subscription before the pay wall started. You understand? You're following? Anyway, my friend looks at his account. He is paying to use every single dating app. Like, he could even fathom. Like, Plenty of Fish, uh, like Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, like every every dating... OkCupid. He was paying for all of them. And not even just using them casually, like actively paying to use them. It would have cost him, my friend worked it out, like over $100 a month to date. (laughs) <laughs> that might be worth it but if you're like, keen to get a lady or a man or a man or a non-binary person well, doesn't I, I don't know enough about it but doesn't um, Tinder and stuff if you're a, a lady it's free but if you're a man they'll like have things that you need to pay extra if you want to like use them more I think it's extra because they know they know I heard that too guys are more interested in trying to find someone I heard that too but I think I was watching a video the other day where people like two women were trying to do some experiment on Tinder and they did have to pay for pro to change their location or like do extra stuff like you can pretend to be in France and be like yes French boy if you just want to talk to them but not have the commitment of meeting up if they're like come over let's Netflix and chill and you're like sorry I'm Australian did, did you tell me this or did I hear from someone else I don't know this person it's a friend of a friend they are a lady they put themselves on Tinder and they'll change their location every week you heard that from our friend from our friend yeah and then they'll just they'll you know chat with some guys and somehow trick the guys into like buying her things or give sending her money. 
No, it wasn't that. She and did... then she'll change her location to a different city and do it again. Another, no, she just wanted what I was saying before to talk to people without the commitment of them, like pressuring her to meet up. She just wanted that freedom to be like, I'm not even anywhere near you. Mm. We cannot physically see each other. She just wanted to talk to people. Okay. Well, not everyone wants different things, don't they? I found out there's a sugar daddy website where you can sign up. Like, I want to be a sugar baby, and here's my wish I list of be a sugar baby. yeah. Here's my wish list of items that I want you to buy me, and you can tick all the things that you want to do. Like, you're okay with like sexual favors, or you just want to go out to dinner, or you just <laughs> want to be like. It's always it's all above board like that. Everyone's on the same page. It's very consensual, and then you can even you can pay extra to find out their ethnicity, their background. <laughs> Like, I do a background check, all this stuff. Okay. Like, that's you pay extra to be more specific about the person or the people that you solicit on them. Okay. Well, maybe if you're a poor conservationist. Like, I'm not recommending this. <laughs> but I wonder, like, oh, this is something I did. I looked up. You surf no fans. No, I didn't. <laughs> Don't look for that. It doesn't exist. I actually looked up back in Adelaide, when, way before I met you. What? I looked up a stripper application just to see what you needed to do. What it takes. Yeah, what it takes. I like was like, if you went to a stripper, would they be like, all right, hop on the pole? Or would they say, nah, nah, you can't Because too do it. many people have been like, oh, we earn nothing in conservation. I'll just take up stripping. Like, it was such, it's a, bit of a, joke. such a running joke that I actually looked it up. Or like, a little bit real. You need to submit a full body shot. Yeah. Already biggest hurdle. I'm. That's uh, well. That's <laughs> your job day in day out. I thought. What submitting full Being body shots? Mostly naked. Oh uh, yeah, people. but like okay, if that's the case and they need to judge your body. Yeah. How like? Well, they don't want ugly people. People come in all shapes and sizes, right? They're, like men surely don't only want one, or women don't only want one like type of body, like. Is yeah, but if you're paying money if, to see attractive women, yeah, but yeah. what is attractive? Surely, just like a stick thin per- person with straightened hair and ginormous boobs yeah. is not like the epitome of sexy. Pinnacle. Like there must, there must be other body types and shapes. Like I was like, I can't do it already. Like out of the question, I can't strip even if I wanted to. My yeah. body is not the creme de la creme of this classic stripper stereotype. But there must be like. More voluptuous women well, that's who are desirable. Well, that's why they're going online, right? So if you, if you go to your like local stripper joint, mm-hmm. they'll be like, they have to cater to the widest audience, right? But if you go online, the whole internet, you know, billions of people, you might find a million people who are super into, you know, your gigantically fat ankles or something. <laughs> what are you saying about my ankles? <laughs> no, it's yours. <laughs> But like, you know, yeah. you'll find your niche That's true Of I've, audience I think that's why OnlyFans has got so prevalent At yeah. this day and age Because like, people have more of a diversity of preferences now People aren't ashamed to like big ankles anymore Well, if they're <laughs> online in the privacy of their web browser They were meant to it. Isn't the shame, like, I go to a strip club and I'm ashamed if I'm not attracted to all these, like, stick-thin, beautiful women because that's what the guys next to me expect me to like. Yeah. Anyway, this know. is, like, so off the radar. I'm not suggesting if you can't make an income from conservation to get into stripping or OnlyFans, but... Just get sugar daddies. <laughs> that's what you're Like, saying. if you can sign up to a website 
and just get gifts. Like if you could just get <laughs> Louis Vuitton handbags like shipped to you just for talking to a person. Like, is that a way to support our conservationist lifestyle? I don't know. And like what a weird state the world is in. On a like more real note, like I could not have I can't survive my current lifestyle if I didn't live with Todd. So like realistically uh, having a partner that yeah, you're here criticizing sugar baby <laughs> i am one <laughs> like realistically everybody asks me like they have a conversation oh you're doing such great stuff blah, blah blah also like how are you supporting yourself and i'm like oh thankfully i have a partner with a stable job like i feel so this is like a source of shame for me actually is that i have like i'm so feminist and i'm so like empowering women but i have to live with the fact that i despite everything i'm doing can't pay my own bills yeah it's it's hard to have it all like how do you do the good stuff that needs to happen but like you know capitalism doesn't pay for it yeah it's doesn't like every woman faces with like if they choose to have kids it's gonna affect their career yeah no matter like how trying like fair and you know some countries have proper laws to look after you but like it's gonna you're gonna be on a disadvantage i love how they're introducing like paternity leave as well so they give the choice for the man to take time off and look after the kid or just parental leave so both parties can take the time off like a lot of places have just flat out stopped calling it maternity leave to mitigate that problem and so it's acceptable for men to take six months off to look Mm -hmm. after the children because i was messaging somebody um the other day and he just got back from parental leave or paternity leave so it is a thing that's happening and I think a lot of universities I know have this program where they're trying to make gender more equitable in STEM. So I think a, a huge part of that is incorporating paternity leave and giving the men the same rights to stay home with the newborn so women can actually go to work straight away if they want to. I guess that's pretty much the fix, right? Just make them more equal so then like you can just, you choose. just have one gender being disadvantaged yeah because if he's staying home then his wife can go off or a partner whatever can, can go I've off heard, and keep working I, i'm only assuming mm. i know you also only heard and assuming because this isn't a problem for you <laughs> of like you know if i'm going to be as you know strong independent uh feminist lady should i have a massive career be the ceo or should i you know have a family what's like what's the pinnacle of what my life should be even my friend was like i want to get into academia i want to do a phd i'm so worried about that conflicting with having a family but then she saw her really amazing empowering supervisor raise two children while she was like doing that role so i think having people in that position that are good role models and say like it's it's okay you can do it because when i was in my undergrad I had a really amazing lecturer who I really looked up to and she's like, I'm so sorry, I didn't publish from, no, I had no citations from this year to this year because I was giving birth and looking after my child. I was like, stop apologizing or making excuses and like, blah, blah, blah. Like you're allowed to have children. You don't have to be getting citations all the time. And I know in, in academia it's publish or perish, but people take that really hard. Like, oh, I, like I was suffering from here to here because I had a child. Like, she had to justify that to a group of undergraduate scientists. Like, what the hell? And like, yeah. At an individual level, you can just be like, oh, I had a kid, so, you know, obviously my professional career's slowed down a bit. Like, it's very understandable. But, yeah, from someone looking out just at the career, they're like, oh, this is a big gap. Yeah. 
but that's what I was trying to tie it back to of like you know it always feels it feels like quite often you can't have it all mm, and for the relationships of like you know I you know you, conservationists might want to go study giraffes heaps but also really really wants you know a little house with a family and a dog and stuff and like they both want I both want that but it seems mutually exclusive yeah that's true and also like just say if you're supporting me and I'm not earning any money there's like this guilt of like I can't do anything like we were exactly talking about this this morning Todd was like Jesse everything that you buy you feel like you have to justify like I bought bed sheets for us I like I even buy clothes that both of us can wear <laughs> like we wear the same wardrobe like we're basically the same size yeah. and like it started off as I'd buy clothes for me and Todd would just steal them but now I'm like well I bought clothes but like we can, can I just both say wear, you wear them very manly clothes. <laughs> Or do I wear very feminine clothes? That I just you love your clothes. <laughs> so basically, like, Todd was saying, everything I do kind of for me or for fun, like, it has to be justified as I'm contributing to the family. Like, I... Or, like, there's a practical need for this. Yeah. Even if, even if it's, like, a hobby of yours, you're like, oh, I want to, I really want to read this book as, like, a way to, you know... Increase. the time. Be like, no, 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 I have to justify it as, like, you know, this is helping my career knowledge and things. Or, like, I am just like taking time out for two seconds and that's helping me chill for like five minutes yeah you start doing that (laughs) but like even so todd bought a camera like which is now basically my birding camera but i was like no it's both of our cameras like if you bought it it's an expensive purchase we're both using it even though realistically i'm the only one that really uses it (laughs) so it's like if i don't use like if i'm not bringing any financial things to the table it's like it's hard for me to just treat myself and chill because it's not really my money that I'm spending. And so there's like the guilt that comes along with that. So it's challenging to, like, I'm so fortunate and I'm so lucky. It could be worse. You could not be earning any money. I make everything and then you go off and spend, spend, all, it all. spend all my <laughs> money on designer handmaids. Clothes you can't wear, sheets you can't I sleep would, in, yeah. hammocks you can't lie. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you worry about not appearing that way is means you're fine. Well, yeah, I, I admit I'm so fortunate to even have Todd to help live my life and it's I can't imagine what it's like not to have you because I was just basically going away, living in third world countries where the value of my money was better <laughs> than yeah. coming home um, before I met Todd. I think lots of people do that in Western countries. It's a bit weird. They'll, like, work in their home country for a few months. As a barista, like, any job you can get. Yeah. Get, like, you know, a couple of thousand dollars and then just spend the rest of the year flying somewhere else where you can survive on five dollars a day. Yeah, like, I was making sandwiches. I was selling underwear. I had a range of different jobs. (laughs) I would just work casual jobs, then go away because that's how I could sustain my conservationist lifestyle without Todd. Now, ever since Todd's been here, I've been able to sit down in Melbourne and write a book because I can afford to live in like a Melbourne lifestyle. Well, that's what we decided. Like we're not strapped for cash. So it would be silly for you to like work 40 hours a week making coffees. You'd, rather, you'd much rather do your own work that you care about. Yeah. And I wonder if this is also a factor, like, if if you are, like, in my position, but the guilt, like, it wasn't COVID, just say you could actually go and work. Yeah, COVID's a nice yeah. extra reason to not have a job. Like, I can't work right now. Like, I was a teacher, and they're like, sorry, schools are shut. No work for you. So I, I, was, no I was earning money before, but it wasn't, like, a large amount. It was still a casual position. 
Um, but I wonder how many people feel trapped in relationships because just say this was a toxic relationship, you're earning all the money, they feel mm. like they can't escape. Plot twist. Plot twist. Like, if just say if something turbulent happened, I would have to make sure that I could like how would I, like where would I go I'm in a brand new city it's locked down I couldn't go anywhere anyway like that's a lockdown problem just say it's not locked down like yeah. would I have to fly back home to Adelaide how would I fly like okay the car <laughs> you're, like, you're just thinking about it now I'm <laughs> but like how many people who are conservationists and like are really strapped for cash and are relying on their partner or working like a job that doesn't pay enough how worried are they that they could be trapped in a turbulent situation? I think you're describing like 90% of abusive relationships, yeah. not just conservationists. I hope... I feel bad for these people. Yeah, it's rough, right? It's really rough, especially So many quarantine. people will just flippantly be like, oh, if they treat you badly, just leave. Like, yeah, but it's not that easy. Yeah, sometimes you can't leave. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that... <laughs> I hope that everybody listening is in a safe place a safe comfortable place yeah um because being a conservationist is so hard and i guess something that comes along with that is paying to work this is like not really about relationships but the conservation industry where you are so strapped for cash it um doesn't allow certain people and certain demographics to work in the industry some people have to yeah. fund for their families they have to provide they're the most passionate conservationists ever and they're so skilled they cannot afford to pursue the industry because I've heard conservation described as like a privileged person's job. You have to be rich or a trust fund baby. I understand to, what you to mean. To be able by to do that. it, yeah. Because I know when you told me, "Hey, just come to Indonesia for six months," I was like, "Well, I can't. I, you know, I, if I quit my job, I can't pay rent. If I can't pay rent, I'm homeless. Yeah. Like I can't just afford to mix up my life like that." While you would be like, nah, just, you know, go to this country, go to this country. I was living with my parents. Tens of thousands of dollars a year just on I did not have tens and thousands of dollars. No, you didn't. You spent it all. (laughs) No, I had like, so I worked for, (laughs) I worked at Subway where I would get. Yeah, but if you you didn't have. I I would earn $12,000 a year. Yeah. And I was at uni. So I'd have to like pay for stuff. But I did live with my parents, so I didn't have to pay rent. Mm. I still had to pay fuel for the car, but I got food on the table every night. I did, okay. so there no were rent free food. Yeah, so that was that's already like sixty percent of a lot. I of would I would spending. only save like five to ten grand, and then like spend the next six months living somewhere off of that money. Yeah. So I I didn't consider myself to be rich, but I did have the privilege of living at home and having food on the table. And I yeah. didn't if you know me, I'm a I'm a minimalist. Like I don't spend money really on things. Things stress me out. <laughs> Never buy me a present. It will give me so much stress. I once had a mental breakdown cuz my mom bought me a pot for my birthday. I spent the rest of the day like having the biggest mental breakdown. Did not react well. Nobody could thoughts. understand, but I just hate things. And Todd <laughs> Todd loves things. So yeah. it's like it's hard because he likes to keep things around. Anyway, like <laughs> some people might Tell have more about how you're not privileged. <laughs> some people like um, might actually enjoy buying games, buying clothes, buying like collectibles. Like that all plays into it. Where I saved every scrap of money I had to be in conservation. Yeah, like it all went to that because it was the only thing I cared about. Yeah, but some people 
because like, he didn't have a lot of things and material goods, he yeah. definitely didn't feel like you were living the high life. I was like living it out of a backpack. I had like only as many things as I can count or as like I could tell you everything I owned. Like yeah. Todd always says, <laughs> you always say you just have like one fun thing and it's your sc- uh, snorkeling kit and that's the only fun thing you own. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but like people have to provide for families. I-, I am very privileged to have had a family that was safe and loving enough to support me. They put food on the table and I was able to scrap that money. You were living out of home. You had to pay rent. You had to put your own food on the table. It was harder for you to just nip off like I was. Yeah, right. Yeah, so for you to quit your job for me and to fly to a third world country when you never left Australia before was a huge deal. Like, everyone was like, oh, it's like you're in a Bollywood movie. And I was like, oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just need to acknowledge the fact that not... Lucky for you, I did not like my job. (laughs) It is lucky for me. But, like, I have to say that, like, some people don't have the option to choose their career over relationships. They have to choose relationships because they have to support their family. Like, it's almost a privilege to choose your job over a relationship. The grass is always greener, right? There's probably plenty of people who are in in a family household just fantasizing, like, oh, man, if only I could, you know go see the endangered animals and help out but I mean I'm stuck here with my loving family and then there's people who are looking after the endangered animals alone in a hut at night being like man I wish I had a family around me there's this amazing paragraph from Tammy Matson's book what's it called is it about elephants something something elephants <laughs> <laughs> basically she's sitting she's lying in a tent in the middle of Africa and she's like hears something around her and this big shadow comes over the tent in the middle of the night a bull elephant is straddling her tent like each feet on either side of her and she's scared for her life like this elephant is standing over her tent then he lets out this massive fart (laughs) and she's like that's it I gotta get a life. <laughs> like I gotta go. This is not for me anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if anybody has those pinnacle moments where you're like out in the field and an elephant's farting over you and you're like, that's it, I need to find a partner and settle down. <laughs> this life is ridiculous. <laughs> I just vividly remember reading that paragraph and being like, I've never experienced this, but my soul knows what it's like to be in that position. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think what's, what's your moment that you said no, I've had enough of this I think like so this is like we'll talk about this in the next podcast but there's something to say about when you're a woman working in the field it's a bit unsafe sometimes and you can get field staff propositioning you a lot so for me having a partner to say like no don't touch me I have, I'm owned by a man already or owned by somebody it's an easy way to dismiss people if they keep hassling you all the time. Like, okay. this is not from a place of, like, an elephant. Some people get farted on by elephants, <laughs> and some people get Just, accosted. Yeah. But, like, whatever it is for you, <laughs> maybe some people have these moments. Maybe you don't. Like, there's so many people where relationships are not a priority. But I know I had to mention it in the book because relationships are at least something we consider, at least something that plays on people's minds. Like for the fact that this guy could even ask me, like, is it even possible to have a relationship and have a conservation um, like 
career at the same time. That said a lot to me that people are like actively worried that they'll have to sacrifice one of them, like either a healthy relationship or um, their time in the industry. So I guess I'd like to end on a positive note where, as I said before, I know two people, like not two people, people I know two, two couples that have met in one in both in Africa actually both in South Africa if you're looking for love go to South Africa oh my god I'm not going to recommend that I know another couple that also met in South Africa but one was a local all the success stories come from South Africa okay basically um there was one I went to South Africa with my best friend at the time and we were doing three different trips we were going to a vervet monkey foundation we were going to um cheeto rehabilitation place and then we ended off working with um Great White Sharks in Hansby. Um, she, I dared her to kiss a guy in Truth or Dare or Spin the Bottle or something. One of those games you play when you're, dr- when you're drunk and like with a bunch of people from all over the world. Yeah. Nothing else to do in Africa mm. except for just get really happy <laughs> off, off the marula berries. <laughs> um, and oh, I, kiss, I dared her to kiss him. And now they're married and they both live in America. Like she was from Adelaide to they both now live happily ever after. Like you, you never know that in one of those times where you have a drunken kiss with a volunteer, that could be the rest of your life. And the second one was in the Vervet Monkey Foundation where there was two long-term volunteers. One was from New Zealand, one was from England. And they just lived happily ever after, after working there together for so long. So... So they both live in the same country now? Yeah, I think... I've lost touch with them, but they were living in New Zealand for a bit. But whenever... Because she's New Zealand, a New Zealander, Kiwi, whenever she said my name, she missed the vowel, so she'd be like, jizz, jizz. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, stop calling me jizz. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it is definitely possible to find... to have a relationship and to have a career. I mean, like... Obviously, I am not traveling as much because some people can do long distance when they're in a relationship. I just don't really want to spend six months away from Todd anymore. That's fine. Everybody's different. Um, But you can manage both. But I think, as we said before, it's a bit about compromising things. Like you can't have your dream, young, youthful, conservationist life and your partner has their most best life that they want to live at the same time. Like you have to like tone your life down a bit to come meet in the middle yeah would you agree definitely did you ever have worries about your like potential of getting a relationship not because of who you are as a person but (laughs) because of intrinsic factors like what you wanted to do very worried about my chances of relationships because of who i am (laughs) but like other parts of your life like not even your job but you're like oh i love electric skateboards and like what if i get in a dangerous accident or like what if people are turned off but like i wonder if smokers feel that they're like addicted to nicotine but they know a lot of people are turned off by smoking not that you smoke yeah i can't relate to that at all but like in your life there's never anything like oh i can't choose this career i want to do because it will hinder my chance of finding love nah i'm a straight white male so there's no limitations on what i can achieve (laughs) how the other half live (laughs) And you say I'm privileged? <laughs> I do remember in high school, I was chatting with some people and um, there was a lady there, one of the yeah, high school girl, and she was like asking guys like, oh, so like, what are you going to do after high school? 
and I mentioned how I was, you know, going to interest in studying electroengineering. And she's like, oh, does that pay well? I'm like, pays pretty decently. She's like, all right, sweet. You and I are my boyfriend. We're going <laughs> to be together forever. <laughs> Were you glad I wasn't like that? So, like... <laughs> I was like, oh, you're working... I got that impression that, yeah. <laughs> if you choose, you know, a well-paid career that's easy, you will probably find love even easier. I wonder how many people think that, like, I'm going to just do this job, not because I care about it, because it makes the big butts. Get a lady, we're going to settle down, yeah. have 10 million kids. Make sure you post a Tinder profile with, like, your car and house. And yeah, <laughs> your bank account your as bank account your bio. Next, yeah. But this is interesting to say as well. So, like, Todd is supporting me now, but when I met Todd, obviously he quit his job to come to Indonesia with me. When I got back, I found a job at an underwear store really quickly afterwards. And then I was supporting Todd for about a year. I didn't have a job, yeah. Yeah, so it's like swing. Sorry if you heard that bunk. I like smacked my elbow into the desk. (laughs) Um, But it may seem like I'm mooching off Todd and I totally am. But, (laughs) But there's times in our life where because he'd made sacrifices for me, I had funded him. So I think that's another thing is like, as long as you know you're in a relationship where I don't feel trapped because I know like if Todd ever decides to like quit his job or blah blah I would put myself in a position where I could support him again like I think a relationship is all about looking after each other and not just one person benefiting it has to be symbiosis like you have to be one of you has to be the shark and the other one has to be that little fish that sucks all the parasites off that's how relationships should be I know some people who, like, they want to both be the shark. Well, it doesn't work if there's too many sharks. Yeah, you end up eating each other. <laughs> exactly. Eating frenzy. I guess that's our, our last piece of advice is don't, <laughs> don't be sharks in your relationship. You need one shark and one little what about two parasite little eater. Parasites? No, because then there's, they don't have parasites to eat. They'll starve. Mm. They'll just die. Okay. I don't know if those fish get their own parasites. Do they clean themselves? <laughs> cleaner rats, that's what they're called. Cleaner rats. How many layers of parasites are there? I don't know. If anyone studies cleaner rats, can you just let me know? Did they have their own parasites that the other cleaner rats clean? Do they clean themselves? They'd have like germs and bacteria and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, they would. I don't know. All the way down. <laughs> Parasite. So, yeah, as long... I think like... My advice is be yourself, right? Because I was so worried I would die alone because I was like, all I want to do is live in a forest, study primates, and I don't expect to meet any man. I was so true to myself and I have a really happy relationship. And I think from what Todd said about like seeing me in my element, if somebody really loves you, they will see what makes you happy and they'll want to support you in that. And at the same time, like, I was a bit selfish in the beginning because I was really prioritizing my future and I didn't want any like two second relationship to stop me doing an amazing honors project that was going to set me instead for the rest of my life. But I think when you're in a relationship, you need to be looking after each other to make sure both parties get to achieve whatever dreams they want. Hopefully. Yeah, it is possible. If you meet someone who says to you, nah, why do you keep caring about the drafts? Who cares, you know, come with me and have a normal life. Screw them. Yeah, dump them. I mean, don't screw them, but like, screw them. (laughs) Like, you need somebody that supports your dreams and is willing to tough it out in the beginning for a bit. Like, Todd and I did long distance. Now we don't really have to as much anymore. 
But like because we did it so much then, we know if Todd has to go away for work or if I have to go away for a conference, there's no jealousy or worry or anything because we we have a solid relationship where we can do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But like just be yourself and if you're attractive enough on the inside, people will know. It's not like you're not a stripper. You don't have to send a body shot to anyone and they don't have to approve you. Like you are approved. Tick. Just by being yourself. Yeah. If you haven't found someone, that's fine. It's mostly luck, let's be honest. Yeah. Bumping into someone. Exactly. Like, how do you even meet anybody nowadays? Because Todd and I <laughs> met each other just as Tinder was coming, like, was becoming popular, but we never used the apps before. Like, yeah. Todd is a friend of a friend. So it just is like, he was already approved by friends. He was that's already true. in my proximity. Like, I don't know how that's, to... That's sort of how you do it in, like, college, university. Yeah. Isn't it? Friends of friends. Friends of friends. You meet at a party. But now it's, like, hard because the more adulty you get, the less your friend groups are, like, so sparse with all your networks and your little, like, synapses pulsing around. There's much less uh, patience for people you don't really like that much <laughs> yeah. to hang out with. I don't know. Like, this is good because um, I don't want this to happen. But in the past five years we've been together, there's never been anyone that I'm like, oh, yeah, if I wasn't with Todd, it could have ended up like this. Like, like if we didn't get together, I don't even know if I would have a relationship. But, like, as I am in one, I'm not actively looking or pursuing other people, so you don't know. It's reassuring to hear. You're welcome. <laughs> so I guess, like, in the end, just be yourself. Don't take shit from anyone. Pursue your career and just, like, let the ride happen. You never know what's going to happen. Like, you might think you're going to die alone. You probably won't. Unless COVID goes on for so long and everyone has to be stuck inside for the rest of their lives, then, like, I can't promise anything. Yeah. But that's not about conservation. That's about pandemic. Like, you're not at a disadvantage for being a conservationist in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) What's that really cringy saying? Be yourself because everybody else is already taken. Well, maybe if you be yourself, you'll get a higher chance of being taken. I don't know how it works. If you want to hear more from lonely conservationists around the world, check out the website www.lonelyconservationist.com. Check us out on social media at Lonely Conservationist on Instagram and at Lonely Conserve on Twitter. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lonelyconservationist. And check out the book wherever you get your books. And remember, if you have a mum, give her the book. We want those mum reviews. I'll catch you next week. That's all for now. Bye.